So let's go ahead and get into week two of Sand and Stars. Someone say Sand and Stars. And um, it's, it's going gonna, it's gonna to be a good message. Or it's going to be what it's going to be. How about that? It's going to be what it's going to be. <laughs> All right, so let's go ahead and let's go to uh, Genesis chapter 13. I'll fill you in. So for the next few weeks, we're going through the life of Abraham. Abraham is considered the father of faith. He is uh, the number one uh, progenitor of the Christian faith, as well as the Jewish faith and the Islamic faith. We'll get more into that as we go through the series. However, um, we are very so connected to Abraham and this man lived a little bit over 3,000 years ago, and he was a historical figure. He, he, uh, he lived a very profound and powerful life as he walked with the Lord. And so the synopsis of Sand and Stars is God's promise, our faith, and the impossible. God's promise, our faith, and the impossible. And what I love about Scripture is, especially the Old Testament, is it gives us stories of, um, of people, of relationships, of, of sickness, of illness, of drama, of disease. But it also gives us a story of a God who is faithful and who calls his people to triumph no matter their season. And we're going to find this out with Abraham as we continue to take a journey with him. So last week, Abraham left his father's household. He left Ur, which is uh, Mesopotamia, which is today modern-day Iraq and Syria. And God sent him on his journey from Ur, and he sent him up, and then he sent him down to Canaan. And so we're going to pick it up in chapter 13, where uh, the Lord has allowed a famine in the promised land, which is Canaan. And so now Abram has to go down to Egypt. Someone say Egypt. Egypt. And so while in Egypt, because Abraham is a very wealthy man, and he has a lot of people following him. So I would say anywhere between 1,000 to 2,000 people that he has uh, serving and, and working, and he's pretty much the head of this large company. And um, so that would make his wife kind of like, you know, the queen of the company and so on and so forth. So it wasn't just Abraham and Sarah just kind of journeying with a few people. It was a it was like a mega church that was following them through through all of these different areas. And so he told Sarah as they enter Egypt, he said that the land is going to think that you're beautiful. So what's going to happen is this. I need you to tell anyone who asks that you are my sister. Because if they see you, the kingdom is going to take me, kill me, and keep you. So I need you to kind of lie about it. So the man of God, it was premeditated lying, right? And so they go into Egypt, and what he said actually happened. And uh, Pharaoh requested her because word got out that this beautiful woman with this large tribe of people had arrived. And Pharaoh took her in. But that night, God visited Pharaoh and said, you better not put a hand on that lady. She is the wife of a prophet. And so Pharaoh gets up and he is irate and he is upset. And he asks Abraham, why did you lie to me? Why didn't you tell me that this lady was your wife and not your sister? I need you to get out of here fast because God is going to judge Egypt because of you. And so God's hand of protection, as he promised in Genesis 12, was on Abram. And no one was going to be able to harm Abram. And so they left Egypt and they had it, they had it back to Canaan with the wealth of the Egyptians. So Pharaoh gave Abram and his tribe 
uh, silver, gold, and livestock and sent them back to cattle. And it's interesting how a lot of times we don't know what's going on. Why is God sending me here? What is God doing in my life? And really his purpose is to provide for you in that season. And it may not always be money, but maybe he's providing strength and, and wisdom and relationship. But we just got to trust God as life happens. And so we're going to pick it up here in Genesis 13. And we're going to read it. Verse 1 says this. So Abram left Egypt and traveled north into the Negev. So back into southern um, Canaan. The Negev means southern Israel. Okay. Along with his wife and Lot and all they own. Abram was very rich in livestock, silver and gold. From the Negev, they continued traveling by stages. That's such a word right there. I don't have time to unpack that. By Someone say stages. stages. By stages toward Bethel. And they pitched their tents between Bethel and Ai, where they had camped before. This was the same place where Abram had built the altar. And there he worshiped the Lord again. Worship while you wait on the promise. Lot, who was traveling with Abram, had also became very wealthy with flocks and sheep and goats and herds of cattle and many tents. So Lot was the nephew of Abram. Genesis 12, God tells Abram to leave your relatives. But Abram brings Lot, his nephew, because Abram's brother died in, in Haran or in Ur uh, a few years earlier. So you can sense that Abraham has this sense of responsibility to the young man to bring him along. And it says this here, but the land could not support both Abram and Lot with all their flocks and herds living so close together. So disputes broke out between the herdsmen of Abram and Lot. At that time, Canaanites and Perizzites were also living in the land. So these guys were claiming to be followers of the one true God. But what we have here prophetically is church fighting and church division. And so you have the Canaanites and, and the Perizzites looking at the church. The Canaanites and Perizzites represent the world. They're looking at the church and they're saying, why would we ever want to serve your God if you guys can't get along? And so this is what happened. Finally, Abram said to Lot, let's not allow this conflict to come between us and our herdsmen. After all, we are close relatives. The whole countryside is open to you. Take your choice of any section of the land you want, and we will separate. If you want the land on the left, I'll go right. If you prefer the, the right, I'll go left. Verse 10, Lot took a long look. I need you to lean in here. Okay. Lot took a long look at the fertile plains of the Jordan Valley in the direction of Zoar. The whole area was well watered everywhere, like the garden of the, the Lord or the beautiful land of Egypt. This was before the Lord destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah. Lot chose for himself the whole Jordan Valley to the east of them. He went there with his flocks and his servants and parted company with his uncle Abram. So Abram settled in the land of Canaan. And Lot moved his tents to a place near Sodom and settled among the cities of the plain. But the people of this area were extremely wicked and constantly sinned against the Lord. After Lot had gone, this is so good. Because <laughs> God's like, I, bro, I haven't talked to you in like months. Like you went to Egypt, you lied. I talked to Pharaoh, but I ain't talked to you. You still got Lot on your hip. After Lot had gone, so, so isolation provides a way for revelation. You need to go ahead and write that down. After Lot had gone, after all the drama was out of his life, 
God finally spoke and he said this, look as far as you can see in every direction, north and south, east and west. I'm giving all this land as far as you can see to you and your descendants as a permanent possession. And I will give you so many descendants that like the dust of the earth, they cannot be counted. Go and walk through the land in every direction for I'm giving it to you. So Abram moved his camp to Hebron and settled near the oak grove belonging to Memory. There he built another altar to the Lord. I love how everywhere Abram stops, he worships. He, he keeps church going. You know, where, whatever city on Sunday, he, he's, I'm in Houston, I'm in L.A., I'm in Orlando. I'm, Sunday, I'm going to church. He kept groups going. He kept mentorship going. He, he kept serving going. Wherever he went, he worshiped. He stopped and he recognized that he needed to bring God an offering and he needed the covering of God over his life in every single season. Today, I want to talk about the dream in my heart or the dream in your heart. That's the title of today's message. The dream in, in my heart. So I have two boys. I have a 14-year-old and an 8-year-old. And I love, I, I love them for their own unique characteristics. Jay Zill is our 14 year old and he is extremely smart and, and witty and, and he has the, the, the most amazing smile ever. And he has this uncanny ability to look at anything from a positive perspective or a positive standpoint to the point where sometimes for me it can be annoying because I like a little tension from time to time. <laughs> and, um, but it's a great thing, it's a great characteristic. Um, his name actually means um, seer of God. And so he has a, a very powerful name and, and I'm proud of him. Then we have the eight-year-old Judah, who's a different beast. And uh, he's been a different beast since day one. And uh, he is also smart and has a lot of common sense, street smart. Um, there's a, definitely a leadership mantle on his life. And uh, I can see that. The other, the other thing I really love about Judah is he's persistent. We've talked about this as a church before, if you've journeyed with us for any time. But um, I, I would have thought by now at the age of eight, he's almost nine, that his persistence would have broken because he now understands what no means. However, the older he gets, the more he persists. And so as a parent, there's a fine line between disciplining him when he's hard-headed and when he really needs to stop versus understanding that this is how God has wired him. And so I really have to help him unpack how he's built versus just saying no, 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 and then understanding he's going to get it anyway, and now I'm upset. So I'm learning about how to deal with people through my eight-year-old. And so anyway, but it's a whole thing. I don't have a lot of time to unpack that. But just his persistence has been something to, to learn from. And he won't take no for an answer. Hence is the case with Abram. Because oftentimes tension is created in the foundation of our relationships. It's not necessarily our books. It's not our work. It's not the things that we have to do with our hands or the things that we have to think through through our minds as much as it is the people that we have to deal with. And if you're going to 
get anything out of life or anything from heaven, you're going to have to deal with people. And one of the things that I found out this summer, a revelation that the Lord gave me, was that I cannot control people. And I think this year I repented of trying to. And there's been a lot of peace because people are inconsistent. And one moment they're happy and another moment they're upset for no reason whatsoever. I don't know what's going on. I have no idea why you're upset. Right? But then there are reasons that they are upset and that things are going on. And uh, for whatever reason, they're happy when they should be sad. But I can't control people. I can't even control myself half the time. What we see here with Abram is that he has a nephew who is also wealthy, but he's not wise. And it's creating tension within the promise. Here it is. It's creating pressure within the promise that God has given him. There's a pressure. But God told Abram in Genesis 12 to leave your relatives. And so we see here Abram doing a good thing by taking his nephew, but he's reaping the consequences of taking his nephew because the good thing was the disobedient thing. And this is where you don't need to be confused with the God thing and the good thing. However, the tension persists, but it doesn't deter the dream that God has placed in Abram's heart. And so when I say the dream in your heart, I do mean short term. I mean uh, that weight goal you have, that financial goal you have, that faith goal, reading your Bible, praying every day, leading a group. Whatever your dream is, you have to hold on to it. You have to clench it and you have to move forward with that dream. So what I want to do is I want to zone out and take just three big thoughts from chapter 13 And we're going to see what the Holy Spirit has to say. Number one, your dream will agitate their comfort. Your dream will agitate their comfort. So they went from Ur to Canaan to Egypt. Abram and Lot become wealthier. And their herdsmen are in a dispute. Right? No, we're going to set up our tents here. You guys go over here. No, you guys go over here. You guys go over here. They're in a dispute because both, both clans, both tribes have grown together. But what the people who are under these two gentlemen don't realize is they don't realize the nature of the leaders that they are under. Right. They're doing their jobs. They're they're herding cattle and they're they're protecting the silver and gold and they're setting up tents. They're doing what they're told, but they don't realize the heart of one versus the heart of the other. One is a dreamer. The other is a goal setter. And there's a distinction here. Right. One is focusing on the long term. The other the other individual is focusing on a destination. Right? So there's Abram's dreaming spirit versus Lot's goal-setting spirit. And what we have to understand about the spirit that Lot is operating under is he's operating under a goal spirit, which means that we're only a week away from getting to where we really want to go. So he's operating according to what the Bible would call the flesh. Or, or the sin nature of man. Once I get here, I'm going to be good. 
life is going to be perfect. I've made it. Abram is led by the spirit. So one person is motivated. The other person is inspired. So one person is driven and we know that motivation wanes, right? You can be motivated in this moment. Three minutes later, you're not. But when you're inspired, inspiration means to breathe in. So Abram is being led by the spirit, which the Bible says leads to life and peace. And he's a dreamer. So Abraham's inspiration is agitating Lot's motivation because they're two different things. Goals say that you've made it. Dreams say that there's more. If I were to judge this room according to where our journey was six years ago, this would be our last Sunday. If this were the goal, our next service, we'd close our doors after that because we've made it. The rooms are full. People have been saved. People have been baptized. Lives have been changed. What else is there to do? We've made it. Dreams say that there's more. There's more freedom and there's more liberty and there's more growth. And there are more lost people who need to know the gospel of Jesus Christ. So Abram was inspired by a dream that God had given him. Another thing to identify in the text as we move forward is that Lot was driven by his possessions. Abram was driven by God's promise. Another way you can put it is that Lot was possessed by his possessions. Abraham was possessed by an ideal sent from heaven. So these are two totally different guys in close relationship. They view life differently. And so what the herdsmen don't understand is that you have this dreamer that's agitating our settling spirit. So hence, I'll bring it down to us. Who are you surrounded by that is agitated by what you want from God? They're making you feel bad for your faith. The fact that you want to go to church, the fact that you want to give, the fact that you want to serve, the fact that you want to read your Bible. They're agitated. And they really can't put their finger on it, but I'm, I'm helping you realize they're agitated by the current season that the Lord has you in. And so hence, this is one thing we can take away from the text, sand and stars, is this. is not everyone you care about can go on the journey. Not everyone you care about can go on the journey. Oh, oh boy. That's a whole word I don't have time to unpack. But it's pretty plain in the text. They just can't go. Or they can't go right now. And I don't need you to feel bad about that. If you're starting to step out and do your own thing and develop your own faith and walk with the Lord and get into your work. Don't, don't feel bad if mom and dad won't go, if sister and brother won't go, if friend, girlfriend, boyfriend won't go, if, if husband, wife, children won't go. They can't go right now because their mind is set on goals. 
you're driven by a spirit. You're driven by an ideal that lasts beyond this, this world. you've been given a call from heaven. So now there's an assignment on your life and you've gotten a revelation about that. They're not even in your, in your dimension of thought anymore. Come on now, y'all in here. They can't go on the journey right now. Number two, I want to encourage you with this from the text. This is what I see. Be confident in the dream that God has placed on your heart. Be confident. Someone say confident. In the dream that God has placed on your heart. Confidence is an amazing thing. It's an amazing thing. And I love how when we read the text, we see that Abram yielded to Lot. Not because he had to. As a matter of fact, in this time, Abram could have chosen where Lot went because of his authority in the family line. But we see some wisdom here in Abram by yielding to the young man. Oh, I love this because this, 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 is, this is it right here. This is the personality you want to have and cultivate as a person, not, not, not just as a Christian, but as a person in general. You just want to kind of learn how to take the back seat, kind of have that. You got it, spirit. You got it, bro. You got it. I, I, was, raised, I was raised in a culture where, man, whoo, there was a lot of wild boys growing up, wild boys. They had to stand out. They had to stick out. They had to be the center of attention. They, they had, they, they, man, Jesus, look. And all you knew was that as they grew up, they were going to have a lot of regret as they move forward in life because they always had to be at the center. The decision always had to be theirs. They always had to have the attention. They always had to be the class clown. They always had to be at the top. And you just knew, man, in five or ten years, you're really going to hate life. Because you're going to find out that being it and being the leader and being the center of attention is not what it's all cut out to be. And you're going about it the wrong way. So I developed early a spirit of you got it. My day will come. You, you have to cultivate that as a per- You got it. They got it. Look at them. Look at them go. Woo. That's what Abram's doing right now. Look at this young man. Look at him go. So he was able to say, hey, if you go left, I'll go right. If you go right, I'll go left. And the Bible says that Lot chose the fertile area in the Jordan Valley. So geographical context, Lot chooses this well-watered, it said it looked like the Garden of Eden. Lot, Lot chose what he didn't have to work for. Wow. He, he chose the easy route out. Right. He chose he, he chose what his eyes, someone say eyes, told him to choose. Once again, being driven by his his flesh nature, the lust of the flesh, the pride of life. He was driven towards what he saw and it was his goal. If I get there, we've made it. Geographical context. Abraham says, OK, you chose the Jordan Valley and the Bible says he has to choose the other side which in this time is only dust and sand. So where God is sending Abram in this season, Abram has to build it. But Abram is walking by faith. He's not walking by sight. And Abram was operating in confidence. This is so important because of the dream that God had planted in his heart. Someone say my heart. Someone say my dream. Someone say my journey. 
he was operating in confidence because he was good. He understood what was his. And that's the trap that a lot of us have fallen into, even in the church, is we don't know what is ours. So as a result, we go looking for a dream. We manufacture a dream. We manufacture a life that we want. We go on social media and we say, wow, I want that life. I want her life. I want his life. I want their possessions. And we get caught in the trap of manufacturing someone else's motivation, not inspiration. And it's a double whammy. But I love the spirit of Abraham. You got it. Someone say, you got it. it. My time's going to come. Because I have confidence in what the Lord has promised me. Let's define confidence, okay? Confidence is a revelation of God's love for you and the belief that one's destiny is secure in God. It's what it is. It's a revelation. It's an understanding. It's a supreme clarity of the fact that God loves you. Now think about this with me, church. Think real quick. Think think a little bit. Let's go a little bit beyond where we've been. Let, let's get out of the box of, of, of the... Let's, 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 let's understand this. In this time, there were no preachers. There was no one to tell Abram that God loved him. In this time, there was no Bible. There was no John 3.16. There was no Jeremiah 29.11. Jeremiah was in Abraham's loins. You know what I mean? Jeremiah wasn't even born yet. So how in the world do you discover or sense the love of God for your life? Here's the answer. You just do. I'm going to say that again. How do I sense how much God loves me? It's not complicated. You just do. I woke up this morning. I got breath in my lungs. I got clothes on my back. I have a roof over my head. I have a car. I have a family. I have friends. I got food. Something's going on in heaven. I don't tell Judah and Jay I love them every moment. I tell them every day, but not every moment of the day. My actions prove that I love you for who you are. And no matter how many mistakes you make or no matter how much you sin, I will always love you. I will always accept you. There's always grace. I'll always clean you up. And that's what the Lord is saying to you today. You don't need a Bible verse. You just know it. Amen. Amen. God loves you. So that's where confidence starts. Now, the next tier comes out of relationship with God. I know you love me now. Let me walk with you. And it's in the walking with Christ. And it is in the reading scripture. And it is in the prayer that I develop an awareness for my destiny and the fact that it is secure in God. Therefore, therefore, I don't have to lower my life to the level of others' insecurities. Because that's what they're operating in. Don't you know it? They show off. They have to have the it. It has to be current. It's insecurity. 
It's brokenness on display. Yeah. Wow. Come on. But you don't need to be like them because you're already loved. You already approved. You already have a promise. You already have a destiny. So Abram's like, you got it. I'm good. Because I got a prophetic sense. Sodom and Gomorrah. I don't know how well that's going to go for you, youngster. You got it. And I want you to have a you got it spirit when you leave today. I want you to be fully confident in the family that God has given you, in the career that he's given you, in the body he's given you, in the mind he's given you, in everything that he's given you. And I want you to focus on what God is doing in your life. This is the dream and the promise that God gave Abram before this moment. Genesis 12, 2 says this, I will make you into a great nation. I will bless you and make you famous. You need to steal this promise and you will be a blessing to others. Verse 3, I will bless those who bless you and curse those who treat you with contempt. All the families on earth will be blessed through you. And in Galatians chapter 3, the Bible says that anyone who has come to Christ also has access to the same promises of Abraham. Not just, this is from my deep Calvinist, not just salvation, but all of it. All of it. Let's go back over. This is what God has promised you. This is why you need to focus on what he has for you. Verse 2, Genesis 12, verse 2. Let's read it again. Come on, production. Pull it up. Verse 2. I will make you into a great nation. This is you. I will bless you. I will make you famous. I will. Uh, you will be a blessing to others. Verse 3. I will bless those who bless you and curse those who treat you with contempt. All the families on earth will be blessed through you. So not just salvation in Christ, but God has promised each and every person in this room all of the blessings that he gave to Abraham because you are in Christ. And I just need you to take about five or six seconds to praise the Lord. Come on now, praise the Lord if you believe that. You got to believe it. If you don't believe it, you're going to leave here the same way that you came in. Those are your promises. Those are your blessings. I refuse to leave those blessings in 1800 B.C., some old dusty promises. Dust some things off. Confidence. And when I'm confident, I don't have to be distracted by what others seem to have. Key word. Ah, I got a church over here. Yes, 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 yes. Our Lord said, what good does it do to gain the world and soul? Your soul is yourself. So you got goals, but you're losing your soul. If you're inspired, you keep your soul and you gain everything that God has for you. Don't be distracted by what others seem to have that robs you of your creativity it robs you of your motivation your inspiration your ideas your opportunities your possibilities you got to be confident in the dream 
that God placed on your heart. You're not small. You're not insignificant. God has not forgotten about you. You, you, you are loved. And there's something that God has promised you. You are unique. There's no one in the world like you, Abram. There's no one in the world like you, Sarah. He sees you. He's for you. You don't have to be like them. Be confident in the dream that God gave you. Number three. Number three. Here it is. Imagine what God can do through your life. Imagine. Someone say imagine. Imagine, he told Abram, look in every direction. I'm giving you, I'm giving the land to you. Abraham, your descendants will fill the land. Walk through it. I'm giving it to you. God, here it is. When God told Abraham to look around, what he did was this. He planted a dream in his heart and it sparked Abraham's imagination. There's currently something that, that they're studying right now. And it's called a deficit of imagination. It's, it's a real, it quite hasn't made it into the medical sphere, but it's definitely in the scientific study sphere. And they're saying that humans, and it's being led by Americans, is experiencing a deficit of imagination. Wow. And they're saying that the primary culprit of it are these. Phones, iPads, computers, TVs. Yeah, think about this. When, 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 when Abram and David and all of your Bible heroes were hearing from God, they didn't have to filter through everything else that was vowing for their souls in their imagination. It was just God who was able to plant pictures. That's what in, in, in imagination is. It's a mental picture of what can be. And so they had the habit back then of getting up in prayer and seeing, and seeing what it would look like to have many offspring throughout Canaan and in the Middle East. Abraham was able to envision this. He, they didn't wake up back then and there was no deficit of imagination. They, they couldn't see it, but they had to sense it. And God told me to tell you this. This is not a point, but the Holy Spirit is bringing it back up. I actually erased it in my preparation. He said that um, faith is the painter. Imagination is the painting. So if you can believe it and if you can see it, it can be done. And that's what he was trying to get into Abram. If you can believe it, if you can see it, it can be done. Thank you, Father. You have to imagine. 
Not, not just attend another church service. Not just say, I, I got this one. Yeah, we're good, right? But, but, but you're attending church, but you're still stressed and you're still depressed and you're still worried. No, in this moment, you have to be able to conceive a vision for your life. And you're not making it up, but you have to open up to the heavens, open up to the Holy Spirit and allow him to paint a picture of your future. And then when he shows it to you, you have to believe him. And just like Abram, you got to worship. You got to worship and you got to thank him for it. You got to see it. You got to see it. Because sometimes all you have is your imagination. You don't have a dollar to your name. You don't have a, a, a deep relationship in your life. You, you don't have anyone you can lean on to. You, you don't have anything. Sometimes all you have in any given season is an imagination. Don't let the devil steal that. The Bible says this in 2 Corinthians, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. All things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. So when you come to Christ, God gives you a vision. The question is, is have you perceived it? And he gives you new visions for every season. Just imagine, imagine your family, imagine your future. Imagine what God can do through your life if you solely focus on God and you're not distracted by Lot, you're not distracted by the Jordan Valley, you're not distracted, you, just what God, what God can do in your life and go forward. If you've been blessed by the word of God, put your hands together. That's what I got today.